like that. Hello, you want to try that. Um, it's like a flashback. It's a welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having a, uh, a fantastic week, or at least had a good weekend or a decent weekend, because I'm not feeling the greatest right now. It's been a couple days, but you know what? I'm still not really fully recovered at this point in time, but I hope you bear with me. I do expect this to be a somewhat entertaining show because I know a lot of you sick, twisted animals out there are thoroughly awaiting this episode. This is the episode that the entire season is built up to. This is the episode that everyone and their mom is listening to. This might be my highest listened to show of all time. And I, you know what? I, I don't really, it doesn't bother me. I understand why. I understand why, but why it will be here in a little bit, or why I assume it will be here in a little bit, we'll talk about shortly. Let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also check out links to the blog post, as well as links to all those different forms of social media on thelogandblackmanshow.com. We will have a blog post coming out for you here in a couple weeks. We have our Mock Draft 1.0. We will do some Mock Draft coverage here uh, at, at, towards the end of the show. The two top dogs, I guess you could say, in the regards to the NFL Draft community, Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper, have both dropped Mock Drafts since the last time we recorded a show. So we will talk about that here. And, of course, the most important thing you can do is follow Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and leave a rating out of five stars on both. Doesn't necessarily need to be a five-star rating, but I think after the weekend I've had, I think I deserve a five-star rating. You know what? I think I think I, I think I deserve it this way. I just need, I need some sort of win. I need some sort of win this week. I'm not going to go over some silly monologue like a Seinfeld show here at the beginning like we normally do. Nothing really funny happened this weekend. It was just pain. It was just pain pain. That's the best way I can describe it. We're not doing anything funny. This is a serious show (laughs) about serious topics in the world of sports, which is a very serious topic, especially if your team just got eliminated from the playoffs. Now, I know some people out there, their team did not make the playoffs, and I'm I'm sorry for that, but to be 100% honest with you, if I could go back in time, if I could turn back time, I would say, you know what? I don't want my team to make the playoffs. I don't want my team to make the playoffs. If I felt like I did on Sunday at 9.30 or whatever time the stupid game ended, if I knew I would feel like that, I would go back to that Broncos game where the Bills were sitting there after just losing because they had 12 men. When they were sit- when I was a few weeks later when they were 6-6, six and six, there was part of me, the sadistic side of me. I know, now, I say this in jest. I am not being a, I'm not being serious with this. Obviously, I want my team to make the playoffs every single year. But man, that feeling when your team loses... It is one of the worst feelings in the world because as we joke about on the show, like we can hate on teams. We will, we will say the meanest things about our teams. Like when they're not going good, it directs the entire year, the entire weekday hour, whatever it wrecks that. But guess what? You and I both know we are going to go back and we are going to watch the game the next week or in two weeks if they have a bye week. Either way, regardless of what happens, how unwatchable the last game was, Guess what? You and me are going to sit down and watch the next game. We have said that a thousand times throughout the season when I was talking with the Iowa Hawkeyes or the Buffalo Bills. Regardless, I was going to sit down and watch every single game those two teams played. Didn't matter how bad they were. Didn't matter. But when you lose in the playoffs like this, it's over. 
So the last thing you remember from your... So there's no week. There's no next week to make up for it. It's just over. It's just over. Like, there was weeks in the season where it was like, oh, I can make up for that. They lost to the Jets. Week one, Bills lost to the Jets. Guess what? They kicked the shit out of the Raiders, kicked the shit out of the Commanders, and kicked the shit out of the Dolphins. Three straight weeks. Like, that made more than made up for the fact that they lost to the Jets week one. Like, there's always those makeup games, those, those buffer games. But when you lose in the playoffs, it's done. It's over. Sayonara. Everything. Like, when they lost the Eagles in overtime. Like, they had a bye week following that, but then they beat the Chiefs. They kicked the shit out of the Cowboys. They beat the Dolphins for the division title. Like, there were weeks following that made it worth it. That made it sit back and not really feel that bad. It's sure, it sucked for that little bit. But what do we always talk about when it comes to the NFL draft? The main one we always talk about is A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell, one of the starting corners for the Atlanta Falcons, one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. He was drafted in the first round by the Falcons in 2020. The last game A.J. Terrell played for Clemson was against Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow in the national championship game. Everybody on Clemson got cooked. LSU came to win, and they came to dominate. That was their only goal. So the last thing people remembered A.J. Terrell doing was losing and getting burnt by now two of the top, what, five receivers in the NFL? Like, everybody was doing it, but that was the last game that we remembered A.J. Terrell doing that. So it was like, when he got drafted 16th overall by the Falcons, we sit there and some people out there are like, man, what the hell are they doing? Didn't that see the last game this guy played? There was no game to recover from that for him. Now, that being said, he's had a very good NFL career up to this point. But that took months after he got drafted. Maybe a year. Because he wasn't, like, amazing right off the gate. His second year, he started to perform really well. But that took a while to get over that. For that vision in people's minds. The season's over, and the Bills lost by three points at home to the Kansas City Chiefs for the third time in a row. Really fitting, isn't it? Lose by three points, third time losing the Chiefs in a row in the playoffs. Like, it sucks a lot because if this is the regular season game, I don't care where it's getting played at. I am 1,000% confident in the Bills going into a game against the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season. I am 100% confident. But like we said on Friday's show with Brady on, I was like 55%. We jokingly said 69% because oh, LOL, funny numbers and stuff like that. But 55% because it was at home. But there's that little part of me that's like, it's still the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care how everybody tells me how ass they are. I've watched it. Travis Kelsey's had the worst year of his career in like six seasons. He had less than 1,000 yards receiving this year and had five touchdowns. This is arguably the greatest tight end of all time. Top two tight end of all time. Next to Gronk, which ironically, they're the same age, which is insane to me. We'll talk about Travis Kelsey here in a little bit. And this is Patrick Mahomes. Who, again, as we talked about during the Pro Bowl vote, had 27 passing touchdowns this year. He had 27 total touchdowns, I should say. Didn't have a single rushing touchdown this year. They're off the line. Jawan Taylor, who they signed this offseason, replaced Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. Obviously, Donovan Smith's there too, but he's getting older. Jawan Taylor was signed for a pretty decent chunk of money. <laughs> and guess what? He set the record for penalties by an off the lineman in 20 years. 20 years. We're not even going to talk about the amount of drops they had, whether it was MVS, McCole Hardman, uh, Kadarius Toney. Rasheed Rice was awesome this year. Sky Moore was nowhere to be found this year. Like, a lot of the Chiefs' big losses this year came on the backs of MVS and Kadarius Toney. 
Look at the Lions game. Week one, pick six, goes right through Kadarius Tony's hands, offsides against the Bills. MVS's drops against the Eagles and Packers. Like, the, the, we look at all these things, and it doesn't matter how ass everybody tells me the Chiefs are. When it comes to playoff time, they're the shit. And they're the team to beat. This is why we will always say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. And it doesn't need to be this year. Like, he doesn't need to be the best quarterback in the league this year to be the best quarterback overall. I promise you, we're going to do this later. When we do a quarterback rankings list, Patrick Mahomes will be number one. And do I think he was the best quarterback in the league this year? No. Do I think he was top five? Probably not. But he's built up so much skin in the game to where it's idiotic at this point to even suggest, unless I'm being extremely biased, which I can be, (laughs) but even suggest anybody is better than Patrick Mahomes even when he has a down year. And this is down year for Patrick Mahomes standards. Like Aaron Rodgers once said, it's one of my favorite quotes in NFL history. My down years are some people's career years. That's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes' down year, he still gets two playoff wins. He gets his first row playoff win. He has now more playoff wins, if I remember correctly, than Joe Montana. Like, that is insane. Maybe it's through a specific number of starts or whatever, but he might even have more than Tom Brady. It was his 13th playoff win. Just so you know, he's been in the league since 2017. He didn't become a starter until 2018. He started one game his rookie year. It was the last week of the regular season against Denver. Since 2018, he has won 13 playoff games. He has now been in six straight AFC Championship games. Like, that is insane. He's inevitable. It's like the freaking Pittsburgh Penguins back in the day when they were in their primes. They would skate by the regular season, and they'd absolutely torch everybody in the playoffs. You could say the same thing about LeBron James' teams throughout the years. Sure, they're not looking the best throughout the regular season, but in the postseason, God damn, you better wake up. And that's the thing that really sucked about this game. Because the Bills, in my opinion, and again, I'm a Bills fan, so I'm going to be biased, the Bills should have won this game. It's not for any missed calls or anything, but the Bills just gave this game to the freaking Chiefs. They gave it away. Like, you look at the drop ball by Stephon Diggs down the sideline. That's a 70-yard dot by Josh Allen. Dropped by Stephon Diggs. The two deep balls that were dropped by Trent Sherfield would have set up points. Those balls to Sherfield and Diggs, two of them, would have gone for 60 yards. 50-plus yards, but I don't know if it was exactly 60. Stephon Diggs would have gone for 70 because <laughs> that throw what itself was 70 yards, which is insane. He threw the ball from the freaking like 11-yard line all the way to the opposite 25 or something. I don't know. That's not the exact numbers, but it was a long-ass throw. Those are two plays right there, three plays if you include the other one. I don't remember how long. That was like a 20- or 30-yard play, though, not as much as the other two. They are both drops. And this is the problem that I also have with people saying, if you didn't play, you don't know anything, because Des Bryant, pretty damn good receiver in his day, <laughs> he tweeted out that Josh Allen underthrew the ball. That ball was 70 yards. How far do you think Josh Allen's going to throw this freaking thing? And then you look at the touchdown, or not touchdown, I guess, so the play before the missed field goal. I see all these screenshots on social media about how Josh Allen should have checked it down to Stephon Diggs on the crossing route, throwing a Dalton Kincaid on the out route. Not knowing he had a guaranteed touchdown if Deion Dawkins stands his ground and doesn't get bull rushed by Chris Jones in the back of Josh. Josh Allen threw this ball to Khalil Shakir before he even made his break past the safety. If he doesn't get bumped and complete throws off the throw, that's another touchdown. 
Now, I know what everybody's saying there. Oh, Logan, you think the Bills would have stopped the Chiefs with a minute 55 left? I don't know. Maybe they do. But we don't know. Like, obviously, our eyes, what we saw earlier in the game, tells us that the Bills wouldn't have stopped them, but who the hell knows? I don't know what to, I don't know what would have happened. Because the same thing was said after Kadarius Tony was offsides against the Bills. Like you're saying if the Chiefs scored there, there was like a minute 13, minute 12 left in the game, would they have stopped the Bills? We don't know. Like it just moments like that, and I'm not even gonna bring out what we are. The fake punt. <laughs> the Chiefs had 10 people on the field for a fake punt. To guess who? Guess who? <laughs> Damar Hamlin. Like, why? Like, I would understand the fake punt thing does not really... It's whatever. It's whatever. It was a fake punt. I think it was a stupid call, but you know, that's whatever. To Damar Hamlin, of all people. Do we think this was a Disney movie? Damar Hamlin, I think, has played in six games this year. He has not been in that position enough times to be able to be afforded to get that ball on the jet sweep or whatever you want to call it. The direct snap. And the thing was, that wasn't a set play. Like, it wasn't, like, something they saw in the Chiefs defense and they called it from the sideline, or they called it, like, adjusted on the field. No, that was a play they brought onto the field. So everybody knew it was happening, and the Chiefs with 10 people, nine, really, because the returner doesn't really count as anybody. And if you want to do eight, because they didn't run it to the left, the right side where there was a Chiefs defender. Like, is this a Disney movie? Like, what, what was that? Like, if you're going to do that, go for it with Josh. Like, do something. At least try to do something. Like, do something other than that. Other than that. Like, it, it was, of course, it was DeMar Hamlin. Did the NFL script say to do that or something? <laughs> DeMar Hamlin's going to score a touchdown on his last play. Now, they did get bailed out by the McCole Hardman fumble which was a great play, great play. And if you think that touchback rule is stupid, shut up. Just stay away from me. That's What do you expect to happen? What is meant to happen if the ball goes out of the back of the end zone? It's obviously a touchback. What, what else is going to happen? So that the team gets the ball at the one-yard line? Well, no, he fumbled in the end zone. So they don't get the ball back? No, it's a good rule. I don't know why everybody on Twitter, after every one of those things happens, like, this is the dumbest rule in sports. No, pass interference is the dumbest rule in sports. Not the rule itself, how it's enforced. That's a 50-yard penalty at times. So let's say hypothetically, I don't remember who was guarding Diggs on the deep ball that Josh Allen threw where he dropped it, where he got in both hands. It might have been LeJarrius Sneed, but that's, I mean, I don't know. Let's say LeJarrius Sneed hypothetically chops Diggs down. That's a 70-yard penalty. You're really telling me <laughs> if, let's say, George Karlaftis comes in or, or um, Nick Bolton... Linebacker, it more, makes more sense for a linebacker to do it than a D-end. If Nick Bolton comes screaming across the middle and just jumps into Diggs' head and spears him, that's a 15-yard penalty. So you're telling me if someone gets pulled their jersey just a tiny bit, that's a 70-yard penalty. That's the dumbest penalty in football. It's so stupid. I, it makes zero sense on why that is the most insane penalty out there. Like, you could barely do anything. There's plays now... To where you underthrow the ball, the, the Broncos did it against the Bills. <laughs> Literally, Russell Wilson underthrew the ball, and Taron Johnson ran through Jerry Judy. It was designed play. They run these plays now. That's what is so stupid about that rule, is that people are just, nat just un unapologetically exploiting the rule. But that's what happens. <laughs> that's what's so stupid about it. 
It's the only rule in football where you can actually go out there and exploit it. Like, egregiously exploit it. You can have play designs to draw a penalty. What other penalty does that? There's no other penalty that does that. That's why it's so dumb. But the touchback rule, no, that is a perfectly fine and makes sense penalty. I don't care who you are, you will never be able to convince me that pass interference is a good penalty. There's literally play designs to draw pass interference calls. That's worth more than a targeting call. <laughs> That's a bigger penalty than a targeting call. That's how dumb that is. You say, well, Logan, it can go 10 yards too. Well, yeah, it can also go 70. It's not a set penalty. <laughs> it's just like, it's stupid. So stupid. Now, we don't, not that I remember anyways that we had any of those in there, but still. Like, the game just sucked to be, I mean, not that, like, from a, a watching standpoint, it was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed watching the game. But sitting there as a fan sucked. 50 million people <laughs> watched this game. It was the highest viewed divisional round game in NFL history. It peaked at 56 million people watched this game. Which does not surprise me. I mean, it's the Bills Chiefs. It's the premier rivalry in today's NFL. It just so happens that one team's dominant in the regular season and one team is dominant in the postseason. Which one matters more? Now, maybe if the Bills don't beat the Chiefs in the regular season, or you make the playoffs, but who knows? The Chiefs keep winning the in the postseason. It's the same thing over and over and over. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Time is a flat line. Like it just it, There's nothing that will change it. I don't care how confident I can be going into a game. Nothing will change it. It's inevitable. It's going to happen every single time. Like when we were sitting here after the game, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this as lightly as I can. I had a slight mental breakdown after the game. <laughs> just a slight one. Just a slight one. Um, but as I was sitting there, I said that like when the Bills were losing the Patriots, like remember we've talked about this before. Tom Brady's like 33 and two, 33 and three against the Bills all time. Like one of the most lopsided person versus team rivalry in sports history, pretty much. Brady versus the Buffalo Bills. At least at that point, the Bills had no expectations. When Brady was the quarterback of the New England Patriots, you want to know how many times the Bills made the playoffs? To my memory, anyway. So when it was Brady's last year in Tampa? 2019, okay. The Bills made the playoffs one time as Tom Brady was the starter of the New England Patriots. One bleeping time. And that was the first year with Sean McDermott. Tyler Taylor was the quarterback. They lost to the Jaguars in one of the worst playoff games I've ever watched in my life. It was a 10-3 final. And the Jaguars obviously went on the AFC Championship game to lose to said Tom Brady. But the Bills made the playoffs one time. They had no expectations when Tom Brady was in New England. There was zero expectation. No one expected them to do anything. And the Patriots didn't go in and trounce the Bills or everybody else in that division for that matter. That was kind of a, you know, upsetting. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, Tom Brady lost the Bills, Jets, Dolphins. Oh my God, how did that happen? The only time the Patriots didn't win the division in that year, in those years, to my recollection, was when the Chiefs tore Tom Brady's ACL week one following the 16-0 season. And they went 11-5 still and went to miss the playoffs because the Dolphins won the division instead. Matt Castle then became a very rich man that offseason and went down to Kansas City, made a Pro Bowl, and then he yeah, fled town and then played like eight other teams after that, like the Bills, Titans, Vikings, a bunch of teams, a bunch of teams. But at least there was no expectations for the Bills. That was that's what I can hold. Like, that's I can hold that. There's no expectations for the Bills. So if they beat the Patriots, they're playing with house money. That's cool. 
But with the Chiefs, and again, the Bills beat them in the regular season, that does not matter. I'm here to tell you that does not matter at all in this situation. If the Bills never played the Chiefs in the postseason, then yeah, that would be awesome. But they play them every freaking year, it seems like. Every year, the Bills have Super Bowl aspirations. The AFC Championship year, the 13-second game, and now this one. All those years, they were picks to win the Super Bowl. The best option they had to win the Super Bowl was the year of the 13-second game because Josh Allen in two games had nine touchdowns and no picks. That's just passing touchdowns. I'm not even talking about total touchdowns. He holds the NFL record for passer rating in the playoffs. Like, that was the year. If they were going to do it, it was that year. But they obviously didn't. The 13 seconds happened, and, you know, the rest is history. That's what makes this hit differently, is that there's expectations now. And with expectations comes the highest of hopes, the highest of dreams for a fan base that has been struggling ever since Jim Kelly retired. Pre-Josh Allen, post-Jim Kelly, there's been a lot of trying times in this time, in that, those years. So when you give a team like that and fans like that hope, the failure that follows hurts even more than a team that's had a lot of success in losing the playoffs. Hurts even more. I'm not going to lie. I teared up after this game. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. So I revert. I go back to what we said on Friday or Wednesday, whenever we talked about this. The Dolphins are my least team, favorite team in football. Nope, it's back to the Chiefs. And I will flip back and forth with this probably a thousand times, but the Bills have now lost the Chiefs three times in the playoffs since Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have taken the, under, taken the range as quarterbacks for each of these teams. That's what sucks. Josh Allen's lost one time to Miami. Or two times to Miami, sorry. Once his rookie year and then last year. He's lost twice. I think he's 13-2 and two against the Dolphins. It's more of the fans that are my problem there. The Chiefs hurt me <laughs> a lot. And it's not even anything that they're... I don't find them that bad of people. It's not even that. I just... They... they I fear them. They. I am now at a similar level to Tom Brady. And I know we're not at... I shouldn't say similar. We are eerily close to getting to that level. I have never feared anybody in the NFL from a quarterback position unlike Tom Brady. Like other than Tom... Like to that level. Tom Brady was the one person you couldn't say anything negative about because you know what's going to do after that? He's going to go on and win the freaking Super Bowl. No one's really said anything that negative about Patrick Mahomes other than this has been a down year for him, but they've always continuously followed that up with, he's still the best quarterback in football. There hasn't really been a lot of negative press surrounding Patrick Mahomes this season. In fairness to all the other quarterbacks, they get negative press thrown around them. Josh Allen being one of them. Like, I was looking at ESPN today, on Twitter today, sorry, and ESPN scrolled up on there, and Ryan Clark was talking about Josh Allen Today on, I, I think it was First Take. I don't remember what show it was. It was him and Dan Orlovsky. Or the what's the show with Mike Greenberg? I don't, whatever. I don't remember what the show is called. But it, was, it wasn't First Take. That's Stephen A. Smith's show. It wasn't First Take. But he says Josh Allen is not great because Josh Allen did not step up in these situations. What more did the dude need to do? What did he need to do? Like we talked about earlier... <laughs> He had three drop passes there 30-plus yards down the field. Three of them. Like, what? Those set-up game-winning drives, those are touchdown drives that end because of drops. And the Chiefs capitalized on all of them. 
Josh Allen versus the Kansas City Chiefs. In this postseason, this is strictly postseason. Josh Allen's career against Kansas City in postseason. He has a 65% completion percentage. He's 81 for 124. 1,030 passing yards. Or 1,030 yards, sorry. I shouldn't say passing yards because I'm not sure. Nine total touchdowns and one interception. And that came in the first time they played in the AFC Championship game. 0-3 record. He has thrown, he has nine touchdowns in one pick in three games with a 65% completion percentage and over 1,000 yards, and they're 0-3. What more does the dude need to do? I, I'm sorry. I don't, what does he need to do? There's a touchdown to Shakir that he gets bumped and the ball goes completely wired. Not completely, but it shorts up on the line. The amazing touchdown throw that he had to Shakir, where he rolled out the left, beat Leo Chanel, pump faked it, did his little awkward juke, fake slide, I should say. Fake slid in front of Leo Chanel and threw a dart to Khalil Shakir to the front pile on a near sideline. How many other quarterbacks make that play? One? And he was on the other sideline. It's one of my favorite things to say about these games. But there's two quarterbacks that make that throw, and they're both standing on the field right now, or whatever. Because it's true. Lamar's not making that throw. Joe Burrow's not making that throw. Herbert's not making that throw. He's not making the play. Let alone make the throw. These are all elite quarterbacks. This is not me saying like they're trash because I think Josh Allen's better than them. Josh Allen's just better than them. And I hate the Joe Burrow stuff too. And we brought this stuff on the show up. We brought this on the show up before. We brought it up before numerous times. Because Joe Burrow... Very good quarterback. Don't want to take anything away from him. Good quarterback. Top five quarterback. I mean, we were pretty unanimous around these parts about where Joe Burrow ranks in the pantheon of quarterbacks in the NFL. Hold on. I got to try and find this. I took like 18 screenshots today. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Where is this thing going to be at? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, you got to have your stuff ready before you start recording. <laughs> because why can't I find it? It's their stats in the playoffs. Well, I can, I can say this one off the top of my head. Josh Allen in that 2021 run where they lost to the Chiefs in 13 seconds. That run with nine touchdowns, no picks. He has as many touchdown passes in that playoff run, those two games, than Joe Burrow does in an entire playoff career. I just want to put that out there for you. Joe Burrow has nine touchdown passes in the NFL, in the playoffs right now. Nine. Josh Allen had nine in two games. Like it's not I I like again, I like Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow a lot. But nine touchdowns, four picks. That's not, you know, the greatest of all time. Where the hell is this? I This is actually pissing me off now. Oh, yeah, here it is. Josh Allen's passing touchdown interception ratio in the playoffs is 12, 21 to 4. Joe Burrows is 9 to 4. So they have the same number of interceptions. Josh Allen just happens to have 12 more passing touchdowns. Again, nine of those touchdowns came in two games. Burrow has one rushing touchdown and zero receiving stats. Okay, that doesn't matter. Josh Allen has five rushing touchdowns, one receiver. Okay, the receiving touchdown doesn't matter, but Josh Allen does have one. He had that against the Texans. Like, it's not, it's, I like Burrow. I do. But 
come on, man. I say this all I said this all last week. I like I like these quarterbacks. I like them. But let's stop comparing. Let's stop acting like there's anybody else close. And and Lamar's going to have two MVPs before the season's over. Cuz the NFL honors will pop up in 2 weeks. Lamar Jackson will have an MVP at his hands. His second MVP. He's played well in the player. He had a great game against the Texans. He had a great game against the Dolphins. He had a good game against the 49ers in the regular season. But let's stop acting like they're close. I mean, they, they're, okay, went a little too overboard there. They're close. Let's stop acting like any of those other guys that I mentioned before. Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, whatever. Purdy, God forbid. We'll get to that in a little bit. Are in that same conversation with Mahomes and Allen. Let's stop, let's stop this. Let's stop this. And so it said, watch the games. When the Bengals need a drive to score, Joe Burrow's done it. You know, that's why back-to-back AFC championships and a Super Bowl appearance, Josh can't get out of the second round. My boy keep making excuses, though. It ain't even close who people choose. The Bengals' defense has more fourth-quarter playoff touchdowns than Joe Burrow. So let that one sink in, too. Fourth quarter? He has more. The defense has more touchdowns. Postseason game-winning drives, Joe Burrow, two. Josh Allen, none. Nobody wills his defense to a timely turnover than drives 25 yards for a field goal like Joe Burrow. This guy got ratioed twice. <laughs> the Bengals fan in here that way. I mean, by two different people. Again, I like Joe Burrow. I like him. I like him a lot. But come on, man. Your Super Bowl is cool. It is cool. Josh Allen hasn't been to a Super Bowl. That is true. Josh Allen has not won an MVP. That is true. He's not even won two MVPs. Josh Allen should have won it in 2020, <laughs> if we're being 100% honest here. The MVP, that is. But, yeah. I, I don't know what more the dude could have done. I really don't. And you look at all these games between him and Patrick Mahomes. How many times has Mahomes really outplayed him? And you can say again, you could say I'm being biased. I don't care. What games has he actually definitively outplayed him? Maybe the AFC Championship game. Because I don't remember that. I know the Bills got their asses kicked. I don't even remember the score. I just remember that game being unwatchable towards the end. <laughs> and the only thing I really remember from that game is Josh throwing the ball at one of the Chiefs D linemen's heads. That was kind of funny. That's the only thing. I, it was my wallpaper on my, lap, my laptop for a little bit. But what game has Mahomes truly, definitively outplayed Allen? Would you say this one? I mean, sure. But Josh Allen also had 72 yards rushing. Like, Mahomes had more passing yards. Josh Allen led the Bills in rushing yards. Again. Like, I'm not going to die on this hill. It's not a hill I'm going to sit here and just take a bunch of spears at and just die here. I'm not doing that. But if you can definitively say Josh Allen played worse than Mahomes, he didn't. He didn't. They just didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities they were given by the Chiefs. Again, this is a game they should have won, in my opinion. Drops, missed field goal. Like, the part that really irks me <laughs> is that MVS made a similar catch to Stephon Diggs down the sideline for a 30-plus-yard play. MVS, the same guy we brought up earlier for the two drops that he had that could have won the Chiefs games earlier in this year. Like, that same guy made the catches, or the catch, that the Bills' number one receiver 
definitive top 10 guy in the league couldn't make. And Diggs has not been good the second half of the season. We've said that a bunch of times on this show. He hasn't been that good. Since Joe Brady took over as the offensive coordinator, Khalil Shakir, including the playoffs, has more receiving yards than Stephon Diggs. Like, since Joe Brady took over. Khalil Shakir, on like 50 less targets, too. Like, I'm excited to see what Khalil Shakir does next year because I don't think Gabe Davis is coming back. I think he's gone. And whether you like Gabe Davis or not, I think Gabe Davis is a good locker room guy. I have nothing but respect for Gabe Davis. I've had my issues with him in regards to his inconsistencies in catching the ball. Because again, the Broncos game, we talked about the Kadarius Tony interception. Gabe Davis did a similar thing against the Denver Broncos. Damn, very close to the same thing, actually, except this one didn't end up with a pick six, like the Lions game did. But I expect Gabe Davis to go, and I expect the Bills to go in the draft and draft a receiver in the first round, which is something they haven't done since Josh Allen became the quarterback, though you could technically say Stephon Diggs is a first-round receiver for the Bills because they did trade a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs. And that's fine. That's fine. And Gabe Davis had his moments. Obviously, the 13-second game, he had the four touchdowns over 200 yards receiving. Like, it was a great game. He had the moments against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year where he ripped the ball away from Minkins Fitzpatrick and had a 98-yard touchdown catch. Josh Allen bombed it down the middle of the field. Gabe Davis ran under it, scored a touchdown, 98 yards. First drive of the game. I missed it. <laughs> I didn't see it live. We were walking in the cake stand and missed it. Everybody was cheering when we got in. Then we had to watch replay. No, but it's so cool to see that live. But missed it. I don't know. I don't know. It sucks. It really sucks to lose the same team every freaking year. Really sucks. And I, I'm getting tired of seeing the Josh Allen's record in the playoffs against starting quarterbacks, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. One in five, which he beat Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, but... I've seen some Bills fans even say that Lamar got hurt at the start of the third, at the end of the third quarter, so it doesn't really count. Even though the Ravens were down by 14 points at the start of the fourth quarter, and Lamar just took a 20-plus yard sack and threw a 100-yard pick six the drive earlier. Like, yeah, that counts. I'm so- I'm sorry, it counts. So if Josh Allen got hurt in the last quarter, the, the, the not the last quarter, the last play of the third quarter against Kansas City Chiefs, does that not count for Patrick Mahomes because he beat Kyle Allen in the fourth quarter? Is that what happens? If the Bills were winning, sure. But the Ravens, at that point, they were losing by 14 points. And Lamar just threw a 102-yard pick six, 101-yard pick six, whatever it was, Taron Johnson. Like, Lamar, or Josh lost to Mahomes three times now. Lost to Burrow, and then Deshaun. Those are the five quarterbacks he's lost to. But again, as we say, wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. You can win and lose games because of a quarterback, but one of those losses, again... <laughs> keeps coming up. The 13-second game is a loss for Josh Allen. This game's a loss for Josh Allen. I'll take the Bengals game. Everybody played like ass in that Bengals game. The Texans game, Josh Allen, that was the game where Josh Allen threw the ball up over his head when he was running towards the sideline. Like, that was a messy game. Deshaun Watson turned into the freaking Superman. That was an insanely frustrating game. The Bills should have won that, but they didn't. And the Chiefs ended up beating the Texans the next round anyway. So, hey, maybe Josh Allen's 0-4 in the playoffs against the Patrick Mahomes. I don't think the Bills are beating the Chiefs that year. <laughs> They would have gone Arrowhead then too, so I don't think the Chiefs, were, the Bills are beating the Chiefs that year either. So I think they'd be zero and four. So thank you to Sean Watson because that makes me feel a little bit better now. But man, what a mess! What a mess! I, I'm like I was crushed after the game. I'm fine now for the most part because of the fact that again it's two days later, and 
Yeah, shit happens. Like Josh Allen said, we woke up today. That's the most important thing we can do. But got to make some sort of, I don't know what kind of changes they'll make. Got to retool. Got to make sure Joe Brady comes back, which Joe Brady interviewed for the Falcons job on Friday, I think. But you remember last year, that was, uh, I gave a scathing review to Ken Dorsey about interviewing for the Panthers job after that. But unlike Ken Dorsey, I like Joe Brady. I didn't like Ken Dorsey last year. I made that vehemently clear that I did not like Ken Dorsey last year. I didn't like him this year. And the way the Bills played in that Bengals game is a lot worse than what they did in this game against the Chiefs. So yeah, I will be a little more lenient on Joe Brady than I will be on Ken Dorsey. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to disappoint you. I couldn't stand Ken Dorsey last year. I had numerous rants about Ken Dorsey, and the Bills finished 13-3. and But they got shit-stomped in the playoffs by the, by the freaking Bengals. They had moments to take that game by the scruff of the neck, but hey, just got their asses kicked. And that's that's the long and short of it. I, but like I say a thousand times, I would rather feel like that again than I did on Sunday watching that Chiefs-Bills game at the end of it. I was so upset. I, it sucks. It really sucks. But, you know, I, one thing that helps me sleep at night is that no team has beaten Josh Allen in the playoffs and has gone on to win their next playoff game. So that helps me sleep a little bit. Because remember, Patrick Mahomes is 3-0 against Josh Allen in the playoffs. Well, guess what? He lost the next game after that. Lost the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. Lost the Bengals last year, or two years ago, whenever they beat the Bills in the 13 seconds game. Lost to the Bengals. Deshaun Watson, we brought before, lost the Kansas City Chiefs the week after, after having like a 30-point lead. Uh, who else? So we said Burrow, they lost to the Chiefs the very next week. No one's ever done it. So you could say he's 0-5 or 1-5 or whatever. Against teams with a starting quarterback, he's 5-5 five five in the playoffs. Doesn't matter. Phillip Rivers was a starter for the Colts, too, so I don't know why they're not even counting that one. He was the starter going into the season. And then Skylar Thompson, fine, whatever. And then, uh, who are the other ones? Mason Rudolph. But the, did the Steelers really have a starter? I guess technically Kenny Pickett, but would that have made a difference? Really? Um, who's the other one? Phillip Rivers. That was his first playoff win then they beat Lamar the next round who'd they beat in the round before the Chiefs because that was a divisional round game too who'd they beat then because then because then it was Skylar Thompson Mason Rudolph who's the other one who'd they beat before the Chiefs wow what it was a home game I remember that those were like a three seed what was the what was that game Okay, it wasn't the was it the Browns? Why am I thinking the Browns? Is that right? Can't be the Browns, not the Browns. It's not the Ravens. I already only beat them once. Oh, the Patriots! <laughs> the Patriots, the guy. One of the greatest playoff games of all time. <laughs> that game was awesome. That is one of my favorite games I've ever watched in the my life. And I can't believe that was the one I forgot. Let alone the snooze fest that we had last year with the freaking Dolphins game. Or not snooze fest, but the the eye-gouging pain of watching that game. Good Lord. It was a high-scoring game, but the good Lord, that game sucked to watch. That game sucked to watch. But man, man, oh man. And one thing I've seen a lot on Twitter today is, and I saw it on Sunday too, or yesterday, sorry, Monday. It said, look away, Bills fans. Same for Patrick Mahomes. The Bills gave, because the Bills had the 10th pick in the 2017 NFL draft. They traded back with the Chiefs. They took Trey White. It's like, I don't know why this is coming out now. Like, this has been, you watch the draft, 
Like, obviously, this happened. I've We've talked about it like a million times in the show. Like, obviously, this happened. But I still would take the trade. Like, the thing that sucks... So, I would take the trade knowing the fact... The Bills got some good players out of this. But you gave your op their biggest weapon. Your number one op, you gave them their weapon. That's the only way I can look at it in a bad light. But, like, the Bills, at that time, they had Tyrod Taylor under contract... He just signed an extension. They weren't looking. It was Sean McDermott's first year as a head coach. Defensive guy. He's not going to draft a quarterback. He just wasn't. And the Bills got Josh Allen out of it. So, I mean, I could... I mean, would I want Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I think he's better. But I'll always take Josh Allen. But the Bills also got Tredavious White. They drafted him 27. They got Tremaine Edmonds, who was a captain for the team. Deion Dawkins was a captain for a team and a longtime starter there. Zay Jones uh, and uh, Sierra Neal, who's still on the team. So, up up until this offseason, this past offseason, four of those guys were on the Bills roster post this. Zay Jones left after his rookie deal, and he went to Vegas, and then he went down to Jacksonville. Got arrested down there, but he played the rest of the season, which is fine. Yeah, Trey White, one of the best corners in the NFL when healthy. Jermaine Edmonds, he's fine. He's a good linebacker. Not worth the money that Bears paid for him, but, you know, he's a good linebacker. Same drafted same year as Josh Allen. Uh, Deion Dawkins, ever-present left tackle for the Bills. Maybe one of the greatest Bills left, probably the greatest Bills left tackle of all time. Zay Jones, uh, he set a record for catches, I think, in college. and (laughs) Couldn't catch a cold. He couldn't catch the cold standing in a freezing cold shower. Um, And Sierra Neal, good special teams guy. But that's a, and you got Josh Allen again. Like, I can justify it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, like, if the Bills came out of that trade and got, like, Josh Rosen, then yeah, it would, it would hurt a lot. But... The Bills got Josh Allen out of it. So I'd, I'd feel fine. <laughs> if they got Josh Rosen out of it, I'd be crushed. But at the same breath, we wouldn't be in the situation anyways where this keeps getting brought up because the Bills wouldn't be that good. So <laughs> it'd be, yeah. But I am intrigued to see how they retool for next year. I am intrigued. Their cap situation is not great, but, you know, we knew that going in. Every team that has a, a, star, a highly paid quarterback is going to go through a cap situation every once in a while. Von Miller's situation is not great. Obviously, the his final season stats ended or came out. Von Miller was paid 14.9 mil this season and finished with zero sacks and five tackles in 14 games play. That's 2.98 mil per tackle. That's not ideal. That's not ideal. Though I do think he played all right in the Chiefs game. He caused some problems for the Chiefs. And then the the um game they played last week. Why am I blanking on these? The Steelers. He caused some problems in the Steelers game, too. So I mean. Out of all the games he played this season, these last two were his best, but he still doesn't help the fact he managed zero sacks and he's one of the greatest edge rushers of all time. Now, I know there's a lot more to being an edge rusher than just sacks, but it would be nice to see, you know, one sack and more than five tackles in that. Now, I don't think he started, technically started a single game this year, though. Not that it matters. Bills rotate a lot in the D-line, so you'd think he'd get something out of it. But I'm intrigued. Like, Micah Hyde doesn't seem like he's coming back either, which is sad. His wife penned a letter on social media today. That was pretty sad to see. Which, not surprising, getting older. But then Trey White, we bring him up earlier. Like, what's the situation with him? He's under contract, but could he be a cap casualty? I mean, he tore his ACL, obviously. Just ruptured his Achilles this year. So, what's the situation regarding Trey White? Is he going to be the cap casualty? Because Rasul Douglas played really well for the Bills this year. Like, Jared brought it up when we were watching the game. Why the Packers trade Rasul Douglas? Well, at the time, the Packers didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. But in hindsight, now that the Packers made it, I'm sure they would like to have a guy like Rasul Douglas in their secondary. 
And Dane Jackson, in a, well, Dane Jackson, I think, is a free agent, but Christian Benford. Like, Christian Benford is a very solid corner in the NFL. He's not better than Trey White, no, but he's healthy. Not currently, because he didn't play his last game, but for the most part, he stayed relatively healthy, apart from a new niggling injuries throughout his, like, the past two years. But last year, I remember they loosely talked about moving him to safety. Does he move to safety now? I doubt it, but, you know, there's an option there. So you're looking at Poyer and Benford at safety, potentially, with Trey White and Rasul Douglas at corner, but who knows what Trey White's recovery time is because that Achilles tear came in week four. And obviously, the human body, everybody's body heals differently, so the Lord knows what Trey White will come back to. The part that really sucked about that is that he was starting to look like himself again. That's what really sucked, is that he finally felt looked comfortable. So he never looked comfortable last year. He didn't. He was coming off the ACL injury, didn't look comfortable. And then now we were starting to see the best Trey White again, who, again, is a top... Uh, top 10 corner in the NFL. I almost said top five. I don't know if I'd go that far, but top 10. In his prime, he was top five, but top, I'll be generous for now and say top 10. But I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. The O-line looks to be coming back. The The offense seems to be relatively kept together. Like, I think 10 of the 11 stars will be gone, back this year. Gabe Davis being that one that's out. But again, you got Khalil Shakir there. Unless you want to include him as a starter. I don't know. Is Dawson Knox going to be here next year? Is he going to be one of those cap guys? Is Josh Allen going to get restructured? One would assume Josh Allen will get restructured. I think I saw I could have read this wrong. I think if they restructure him, they get a, they clear about half their cap space. On him anyways. I think. I could have read that completely wrong. So do not 100% quote me on that. But it's, it's out there. It's out there. But the playoffs are hard. And the, the recovery process is not easy. It's never easy. Like the last time the Bills lost the Chiefs in the playoffs, I had no voice. We didn't record a show for a week, so at, le- at least I'm better here. I did yell a lot during the game. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I was a choir boy the entire time and sat still the entire game. No, I was very vocal the entire time. I might have said some bad words here and there, especially did after my parents left. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. I told Brady with the game ender, I was like, when my parents, they all give you guys a little bit like a show or something. I did at least tried, but there was all, oh, it wasn't like I was just putting it on. I, that's how I felt at the time. That, that was miserable. Brady stayed after for about, I don't know, a half hour, hour after the game, him and Carly stayed over for a little bit. Carly Kate left after like, I don't know, a half hour after everybody else left, but Brady and I sat there and just talked for a while. It just sucks. It sucks. But Brady was with me at the, the, the 13 second game. Brady and I have obviously chiefs bills fans. It makes it fun. To have a friend that's a, a fan of a rival team in these situations, but it also sucks because now you got to look at them and go like, uh, your team beat mine. Uh, that's fun. That's always fun. But man, but man, Sean McDermott, after the game, I thought, or today actually, I thought there were some opportunities Sunday. It's crazy to say this, but we had opportunities to win this game more so than they did, and I, I agree with that. I do agree with that, and you can call me biased or whatever. I do think the Bills should have won this game. I do think the Bills should have won this game. But it's whatever. I, I can't rewrite history. And it's not even because Sean Hockley did anything. Like That was a big fear for a lot of people out there. Was that Sean Hockley, who has never refed a good game for the Bills in his life, was going to come in and completely flatline the Bills in this game. But, no. I, I didn't think there was anything too egregious that got called or didn't get called. At least that I'm remembering currently. It could be completely... Oh, the pass interference call. Yeah, there was one. The Dorian Williams pass interference call. That was stupid. Patrick Mahomes still had the ball in his hands. It was still within five yards. It's never a pass interference call. And yet they called that. But that, out of all the things that happened, I don't even think, I think the Chiefs punted on that drive anyway. So it didn't even matter. Again, I could be misremembering that. Um, 
oh, I, I should talk on this. Uh, I feel really bad for Tyler Bass. I feel really bad for Tyler Bass. He uh, deactivated his social media accounts this weekend. Um, I'm assuming because people were not saying insanely nice things on a, in his DMs, which is just stupid. I, I don't get why people do that. I, I never will understand that. Like, I understand having displeasure with something at a game. You don't need to message them privately and say something about it. Especially death threats. Like, come on. We're, we're, like, let's, let's use half of our brain here. Actually, not even half. Let's use an eighth of our brain and go like, man, we probably shouldn't tell the kicker to kill himself because he missed a field goal. Like, come on. Like, do I wish Tyler Bass made it? Of course I do. But I don't look at Tyler Bass really any differently than I did the day before. Apart from now, I'm still starting to figure out if he's going to be the kicker next year. Not because of this game, but because after the month after that Patriots game, he has looked off. He's looked very off. So he didn't miss a kick in the month of September. He's AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. He missed a lot of kicks in the latter portions of the season that could have cost the Bills in some moments. And you could say this one cost him, but again, there was a minute 55 left. Who knows what would have happened there? A lot of what ifs with that last drive the Bills had. <laughs> the, the missed touchdown throw to Shakir and the missed field goal. A lot of what ifs there. But I don't know. That, that's so stupid. That's so stupid. I hate people like that. I, I really do. I don't hate a lot of things in this world, but that, that is something that really grinds my gears. I know I said that and kind of like grinds my gears. I know it's kind of like LOL, but I, it, it pissed me off. Like the thing that really sucks is that, and then you start to think about this now is that he's my age or around my age. Like that, that's the thing that really, like my parents and I were watching the David Beckham documentary and David Beckham moved to Real Madrid when he was 27. I'm 26 now. I could not imagine going to a completely different country with a language I do not speak to go play somewhere else. And yes, I know I'm getting paid with an exorbitant amount of money, but getting followed around by everybody, I don't know if I'd be prepared for that in a year's time. Like, how would I feel sitting here right now receiving death threats because my show sucked? And you could think this one's terrible. I hope I don't receive any death threats because of it. And if deactivating my social media accounts is what I need to do, then God help me, I'll do that because I'm not trying to get death threats from Susan over in uh, Rochester. Really not trying to do that. It's not really something on my on my to-do list for the day. Especially since there were so many other things that went on in that game that could have altered the game. Like, notice when I was talking about things earlier, I like mentioned the kick. I mentioned it. I didn't say it was an overarching theme of why the Bills lost the game because there were so many other opportunities the Bills had to win this game and they just didn't do it. So many other opportunities. I think the Bills should have won this game, but they didn't. I have to live with that now. Now I have to watch the Bill, the Chiefs and Ravens next week. And now i got to listen to Lamar Jackson went to a Super Bowl before Josh Allen did. Which is fine because I like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is my number two guy in the NFL in regards to the players I like. I would, I would love to find anybody out there that has defended Lamar Jackson over the years more than I have. But man, I do not need to see that. <laughs> Goodness, and the Ravens are a great team too. I don't think the Chiefs win, but again, this is Patrick Mahomes we're talking about. This is a, this is a different animal. We're reaching Tom Brady levels of intimidation going into a playoff game. Like It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I'm not saying he's at Tom Brady's level, but he's slowly creeping up to that level. I think he's solidified top five now, right? 
like top five quarterbacks all time, the top four to me has always stayed the same. Always stayed the same. You didn't. You could have asked me yesterday. You could have asked me three years ago. It was Brady, Montana, Manning, Elway, and then the fifth one's open for debate. You could throw in Breeze. You could throw in uh, Dan Marino, Rogers, Steve Young, um, anybody you want. Otto Graham, Johnny Knight, like any, whoever you wanted in there. I think it's Patrick Mahomes. And you can make an argument. He's above Elway now. I think at the time, I missed Farvin. Did I say Farvin Rogers? I don't know, but at the time, Elway was the prototype or the new prototype for what teams started looking for in a quarterback in regards to having an insane arm and being athletic. Like, that was Elway. Elway's stats are not the greatest, but again, you can't compare stats from now to then because it's two completely different eras of football. But Elway was that prototype and had the clutch drives too. Like, the drive against the Browns. Like, there, there's so many... Th- and he went to three Super Bowls, lost them in the 80s. And then he won two in the back half of his career in the 90s. His last two years in the league. But Terrell Davis had a lot to say in the last one. But, you know, that's whatever. But John Elway was that guy. So you can make an argument, I guess. You could say he passes John Elway. But John Elway also ran into a buzzsaw known as the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Giants. That did not really help anything. I don't remember. It was the Niners twice? I can't remember. I know he got blasted in both uh, the in every Super Bowl he was in in the, nine, in the 80s. Phil Simms had one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time against the Denver Broncos. I was at AGC with my dad and mom, which is Association of General Contractors. Carl Mecklenburg spoke at this event. He was a linebacker for the Broncos back in that, those days. One of the greatest Broncos players of all time. The Orange Crush defense and all that stuff. I really wanted to jokingly ask him how it felt <laughs> losing to Joe Montana. Because <laughs> Joe Montana, to me, will always be second behind Brady. Because Joe Montana was the GOAT before Brady. Like, Preston, when we were watching the Packers-Niners game, it's ironic, the Niners, but we'll talk about them here shortly. He asked me who the GOAT was, and I was like, besides Brady? Because I think that's kind of universally accepted that Tom Brady's the GOAT, right? Right. So I said Montana. And the thing with Montana, like, you look at Joe Montana, and some of his career, for a lot of people, would go like, hey, he had Jerry Rice, one of the greatest receivers of all time. If not the greatest receiver of all time. He has so many receiving records, it's ridiculous. But Joe Montana, those people sometimes forget, Joe Montana won two Super Bowls before Jerry Rice got there. He won two Super Bowl MVPs. He won three Super Bowl MVPs in total. He won four Super Bowls. Jerry Rice won one MVP in those. And one of those Super Bowls, Joe Montana threw five touchdowns with 300-plus passing yards in a Super Bowl. In those three Super Bowl MVP years, he had 11 touchdowns, no picks. In the Super Bowl, like, don't chat to me about Joe Montana slander. And Joe Montana was not the guy you'd really look for in an NFL quarterback back in those days. Joe Montana could move a little bit, too. Not to the same level as Elway, but Joe Montana could move. Notre Dame guy drafted in the third round. He was the guy in San Francisco. And that's why I always list Steve Young so high, too, in my quarterback rankings for all time. Because Steve Young was the most athletic quarterback in the NFL at the time, barring, like, Randall Cunningham but also the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, which is something you never normally see when it comes to athletic quarterbacks. I say normally. There's obviously exceptions to the rule. But Steve Young was that guy. Steve Young, in the Super Bowl against the Chargers, they threw six touchdowns. One of the most predictably lopsided Super Bowls in NFL history, so it's kind of expected that he throws six touchdowns. <laughs> like they had Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice. Like That team was never losing the Chargers. <laughs> Let alone... Freaking Steve Young at quarterback. And Manning, obviously, 
people my age, we know Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was t- Manning Brady. I mean, that's the Mahomes-Allen thing. I mean, we had an over-under for how many times they were going to say it in the broadcast, and maybe we couldn't hear it the other times, but we know two for sure <laughs> they said it. That was at the beginning of the game. And, hey, for those out there that want to compare the Allen-Mahomes rivalry to the Brady-Manning rivalry and saying Joe Mon- J- Josh Allen is the Peyton Manning, which is true. Peyton Manning was 0-2 in his first playoff games against Tom Brady. Where is these? Where is this at? I'm not trying to sit here and say Josh Allen's the the Tom Brady. I'm not. Do not try to get me to say that. I'm not saying that at all. Josh Allen, ten career playoff starts. I'm just scrolling through my. He has 64 percent, basically 65 percent completion percentage, 2,700 passing yards, 563 rushing yards, 16 receiving yards, uh, 27 total touchdowns. I didn't include the receiving touchdowns, and four interceptions. Though touchdowns we brought up before were just passing touchdowns. I think 27 total touchdowns, and he's five and five. Tell me again what Josh Allen needs to do more <laughs> to help his team win. 27 total touchdowns and four turnovers, four interceptions in the playoffs. And you're telling me that he's he's the reason the Bills lost this game or any game that they've played in? Good Lord. He's the reason they're in these situations. But where's the Peyton Manning stuff? Because that's the – where's the Peyton Manning? Because they've compared him, like, their records and all that stuff and stats up to this point. I can't remember what their Peyton Manning. He was 30 years old before. Where, where the hell is this? Because I don't want to just start spouting. So there it is. Uh, Peyton Manning didn't win his first Super Bowl until he was 30. He was went three and six in his first eight seasons. Allen is five and five in the playoffs in his first six seasons. He's 27. Manning overcame Brady. Allen will overcome Mahomes. Hopefully, that's the hope. Because you know, <laughs> people are gonna judge him for that. I don't know. It's crazy, though. It is crazy, though. Playoff stats. Leading receiver for the Bills was Dalton Kincaid. Second leading receiver in the playoffs was Khalil Shakir. Third leading receiver in the playoffs was Stephon Diggs. He would be leading it if he caught that pass, but you know what? He dropped it, so that's whatever. Josh Allen, seven touchdowns this past, this postseason. <sighs> Goodness gracious. But we obviously know Peyton Manning, so he's, he's obviously number three. I mean... You can I, – I don't think this is correct at all, but I think people my age would probably put Manning too, but I don't think that's right under any circumstance. But, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not going to sit here and blast it. Like I said, Peyton Manning's my third greatest quarterback of all time behind Brady and Montana. Crazy to be behind those two, right? <laughs> Absolutely crazy to be behind those two. But I think, you know what, that's actually a decent segue, and I'm not even joking when I say this, because uh, normally when I say it's a decent segue, it's never a decent segue. The 49ers beat the Packers. On Saturday. Rough game. Rough game. Messy game. Rough game. Every word you could use. It was it was, it was entertaining. I did enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We watched it at Andrew's house. It was fun. And I came away with that thing, and the Packers should have won that game. I think the Packers should have won. Obviously, Jordan Love threw two not very good interceptions. The second one, Brett Favre-esque. We brought it before about following up Rodgers and Favre. Seems like he's got the throwing motion of Rodgers with the brain of Favre. <laughs> That's what I came away with that. Because that play looked exactly like Favre's interception against the New Orleans Saints when he was with the Minnesota Vikings going to the Super Bowl. The Paul Allen, no! Not, he didn't say no for that one. He said you could have just taken a knee and kicked a 56-yard field goal or whatever it was. That's one of the greatest calls of all time. But that interception was bad. I was really hoping, Brady said this on Sunday, I was really hoping Dre Greenlaw would fumble because he just kept running. <laughs> go down, dude! Game's over. Just go down. But Jordan Love, the throw he made to Romeo Dobbs down the near sideline 
when he was rolling out to his left was honestly one of the best throws of the playoffs. It was an insane throw. Absolutely ridiculous throw from Jordan Love. And he had the touchdown pass later after he faked the screenplay. Like, great throw there. I thought both quarterbacks had their moments. I thought Purdy, given the pressure that he was facing in regards to the Packers bringing it on him, with Joe Brady usually not doing it on Joe Brady, um, Joe Barry, sorry, the defense coordinator of the Packers, Joe Brady, not Bra- Barry, not really known for doing that. <laughs> they call him Vanilla Joe Barry for a reason. And I thought Purdy did well in the face of pressure. He looked awkward <laughs> in the face of pressure, but he stood tall, delivered some strikes. There's the clip of him throwing a Jennings across the middle that's going viral on Twitter right now. Like, I don't think Purdy had a great game by any stretch. I don't think Jordan Love had a great game by any stretch. But the Packers, I do think, should have won because, again, there were some interesting calls. This one, unlike the Bills game, I will say there were some calls. The spot calls were brutal for the Packers, to be 100% honest with you. Both of them. And you know exactly which ones I'm talking about. They were both quarterback sneaks. First one, Jordan Love easily got it. Easily. But you can't see the ball. So we can't challenge it because they're not going to overturn it. That ref on the near sideline was given some of the worst spot calls I've ever seen. And it happened numerous times, just not on fourth, not just on fourth downs or third downs or whatever. Terrible spots. And the second one was even worse. But this time you could see the ball. The ref came sprinting in at Jordan Love's freaking knees. <laughs> Jordan Love's looking up at him like, what are you doing? The Packers obviously challenged it. And then <laughs> the challenge, I think the replay took about five seconds to realize, oh, wait, yeah, that was a clear first down. But you couldn't challenge the first one because you can't see the ball. But you see where Jordan Love is, and you can have your ideas of where the ball is, and you look like it clearly got the first down, and that was in the red zone. Conveniently, the 49ers ended up scoring on that drive, if I remember correctly. Like, I think the Packers should have come away with a victory here. But they didn't. And the Niners are the better team. So it's not like I'm sitting here saying the Niners are should have lost, and they'll not, they're not going to beat the Lions. They probably will beat the Lions. I like the Niners a lot. They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl before the season even started. But I did have them playing the Bills. <laughs> so that, that one kind of hurts. That one kind of hurts. But what brings up the Brady-Montana stuff is because every time Brock Purdy plays, he gets compared to Montana and Brady. Every time. Like clockwork. It's insane. And the thing is, he didn't play that well. Like, he threw a few, t- threw few, a few balls in this game that if they were bullets, would have killed the defenders. Like, he did not have a good game. Why is Jason McIntyre tweet? And it's Jason McIntyre, I know. We've, we've shared our opinions about Jason McIntyre and his lack of brain cells numerous times on this show. Numerous times on this show. But why, after the game, is Jake, Jason McIntyre tweeting out Brock Purdy is him after the game? Did he watch the game? Like, there were moments, Brock Purdy made some good plays. I'm not going to take anything away from the guy. He made some great plays throughout the game. But he also made some really stupid bonehead plays, too. Why is he wiping his hand on his ass throwing the ball? You can say, oh, Logan, his hand was wet. I'm aware of that. Don't do it there. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It threw the, all the timing of the play off. But the problem is, if I say things negative about Brock Purdy, because my eyes work, and I don't just automatically go, Brock Purdy is him. Brock Purdy is the next Montana. Brock Purdy is the next Brady. Look at this. Look at that. I'm hating on Brock Purdy. It's like if you just say anything of him other than being the greatest quarterback of all time, you hate Brock Purdy and think he sucks. That's what the perception is on Twitter. Because now it's like either you hate Brock Purdy or don't like Brock Purdy. No. 
Or you hate Brock Purdy or you love Brock Purdy. Like, I could not believe someone actually compared Brock Purdy to Joe freaking Montana. It was Dave Lombardi. Brock Purdy answered every single down criticism by delivering a comeback playoff drive that has immediately become a part of 49ers' legs. That's what Joe Montana used to do. No, he didn't. <laughs> Joe Montana actually did this. Purdy did not do this. It was a solid drive. It was far from perfect. Joe Montana in the Super Bowl literally looked up in the crowd and said, hey, that's John Candy, isn't it? You know what happened? Joe Montana actually led the touchdown drive. He actually threw the game-winning touchdown. Chris McCaffrey had two touchdowns in this game. Why is he not getting hyped up for anything? Like, if I say anything negative about Brock Purdy, is that you hate Brock Purdy? No, I've never criticized Brock Purdy in the fact to say he's bad. I've criticized Brock Purdy in the things that he does that are not great. I think he's a very good quarterback. I've always said this. I never say he's a bad quarterback. I never said he can't play in football. I always hate when people say that. But my eyes also work. I know he's limited. That's why the 49ers went out and drafted Trey Lance. And I think uh, Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But let's not forget, Jimmy Garoppolo was 5-0 as a starter in his first year at Kyle Shanahan, and they went to a freaking Super Bowl. Let's stop acting like this didn't happen. <laughs> let's stop acting like Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't one of the highest-paid players in football after his first year in San Francisco. And again, I think Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but to be fair, I didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was that great either. Like, Brock Purdy does a lot of good things on the football field. I don't know what he does great. I really don't. And maybe his greatness is that he overcomes all his flaws. Because I do think he's limited. That's not saying I think he's a bad quarterback. There's quarterbacks that are more talented than him that he's better than. Zach Wilson is more talented than Brock Purdy. But Brock Purdy is clear of Zach Wilson. Like, it's obvious. But... You can't say that because then you turn into you hate Brock Purdy. Like, how did you come away with this game and say he is him or compare him to Montana? How is that possible? How is that possible? Seriously. Like, yeah, that throw to Jennings was a great throw. The one across the middle he's getting hit in the mouth, that is a great throw. But how many other throws did he have in this game that were horrific throws? And I don't want to hear the weather. I don't want to hear that. Because every game pretty much this weekend, or every game in the playoffs so far, apart from the games in Detroit, have experienced some bad weather. <laughs> every single game, apart from the games played in Detroit. That's been it. Like The Chiefs had the negative four degree game. The Bills had the snow game. They had to move the freaking game to Monday. The Ravens-Texans game had snow and rain. And this game had rain. Like, I <laughs> just... I don't know. I, I can't take it with a lot of people on Twitter right now. I can't take it. Again, I think Brock Purdy is easily a top 10 quarterback in this league this year. We've said that. We've had questions about it at certain points when he went 0-3 in a weird stretch against the Browns, Vikings, and uh, who's the other team? Bengals. But we talked about it then because going into the fourth quarter against the Browns, he had ne- or the last drive of the game against the Browns, he had negative one passing yard. Going to the last drive of the fourth quarter, or second to last drive in the fourth quarter, I should say. He had negative one passing yards against the Browns. I understand the Browns have a very good secondary. The Packers, famously this year, don't. <laughs> they traded away one of their best pieces to the Bills. Jerry Alexander's very good when he's healthy and not losing his damn mind over everything. That dude's freaking crazy. Like, there's no reason, really, that the Niners should not have blown the Packers out of the water. But again, 
This is one of those situations where the Packers are so young, the youngest team in football, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. Like it's it's like nice mentality to have, but it can hurt you in situations because like Jordan Love did at the end of the game. Why is he making that throw? He doesn't need to make the throw. They don't need a touchdown, and even at that point, you're not getting a touchdown with that throw. <laughs> but he throws it across his body, across the middle field, while rolling out to the right. That's the naivety of this. He's in his first year as a starter. Things are going to come to him. But that that throw was brutal. <laughs> the interception that he had earlier in the game was high and behind the tight end. Brutal interception. But I like what Jordan Love did a lot of this year. I like what he did. Like, the start of the year, there were some shaky moments. But again, this is the second young, This is the youngest team in football. And every person that caught a ball last week was either a rookie or a second-year player. That's every player the Packers have. There is no, <laughs> no experience in this team apart from Aaron Jones and then David Bakhtiari on offense. But David Bakhtiari has been hurt for like five years now. And he's probably going to leave in the offseason anyways. There's no experience here. So that's what's kind of fun about going to these playoff situations. Going on the road, you don't know any better. You don't know how to lose. Now you don't know how to win. Let's prove that at the end. But I think this team will be very fun to watch. Jordan Love looks really good. Uh, again, some ridiculously bad passes at the end of the game. Really bad passes. <laughs> but, you know, you'll come. those will come with time. Those will come with time. But we'll see. I'm excited to see the NFC Championship game, though. I am excited to see that. Uh, Niner, or Debo Samuel is likely to play. He got hurt on the third play of the game. I think it was the third play of the game against the uh, the Packers. So hopefully he's expected to play. He's likely to play. But um, yeah, they're going to be playing the Lions, which is awesome. I'm glad the Lions got two home playoff games. I do like that. And the Buccaneers, um, why is Todd Bowles not calling a timeout <laughs> at the end of the game? The, Nines, the Lions knelt it early. So the clock was... The play clock was ahead of the um, game clock. The game clock was ahead of the game. Whatever. You would the game. The play clock would have drained, <laughs> or you could have you could have stopped it. Essentially, you could have stopped it. You could have scored a touchdown. Could have. I'm not saying they would have. We don't know. But why did he not do anything there? Anyone know his answer was at the end of the game? <laughs> don't want to delay the inevitable. And to be fair. I like that answer <laughs> because sometimes it pisses me off. Like in basketball where they keep fouling and the game's over, there's always that slim chance you can win. I think it's hilarious that he said that. I don't want my coach to ever say that, but I think it's funny that he said it. And Baker, speaking of funny things, throwing an interception to C.J. Gardner-Johnson and C.J. Gardner-Johnson handing him the ball back, that was hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. And I think for uh, the expectations for the Bucks going into the season, you could say for all the teams – in the three of the four teams that lost in the, the playoffs this year, uh, the, the, the divisional round, they so much exceeded expectations. So much. Like the Buccaneers, going, speaking on them now, they weren't expected to do anything. You want to know why? Because they got out and break, Baker Mayfield replaced Tom Brady. Their quarterback battle was Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. There was zero expectations for this team going into the year. And guess what? They not only won the division, they won a playoff game against a team that went to the Super Bowl. Now, there were a lot of internal stuff with the Eagles. They just fired both their coordinators, which is not shocking, but they fired both their coordinators. A lot of internal struggle there with the Eagles, so maybe that one was easier to predict than I'm giving it credit for. But blew out expectations. The Packers. I think we had them going 9-8 and eight too, but I don't think I had them winning a freaking playoff game, especially the way they did against the Cowboys. 
going into Jerry's world, Jordan Love playing the game of his freaking life. Like Jordan Love was awesome in that game against the Cowboys. Some of the most insane throws you can make. The throw to Dontavian Wicks for I think it was the third touchdown, second or third touchdown, was a ridiculous throw. Jordan Love's got a lot of skill. He's got a lot of freaking talent. That dude can zip the ball. I think there's a lot to build on with the Packers. Especially with chemistry keeps building. Romeo Dobbs is very good. Jaden Reed is very good. Christian Watson, if he can stay freaking healthy, is very good. Can be. I should say can be very good for these guys. I'm not saying they're very good now. They can be very good. Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, very solid tight end pairing there. Like You've got all the pieces. They're so freaking young. And not only did they beat the Cowboys the way they did, they were competitive with one of the best teams in football, if not the best team in football in the Niners, on the road. Like, that's a lot to be proud of this year. And then the Texans, our last team we're going to talk about, because the Bills had, I mean, depending on who you ask, there were some ridiculous people out there that said the Bills were going to finish last in the division or finish 9-8 and eight or whatever, or 8-9. And, and we entertained that idea. I'm not going to say you're like, we didn't entertain that idea, but... That was during the season, not preseason. We're talking, this is preseason expectations here. The Houston Texans. Like when they made that trade for Willie Anderson to get back in the top three, a lot of people out there said that was a dumb trade because they traded away their first round draft pick for next year. And they were going to be a bad team again. Rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, young players around him. Laramie Tunsil, elite tackle, but you know, Mixing and mashing for off the offensive line the entire season. There was one game he had five backups starting in the offensive line. And a Devin Singletary in the backfield. And that's no discredit. I don't want to disrespect Devin Singletary. He's a solid running back. But that doesn't really fill you with confidence going into a season signing Devin Singletary. Sorry. Damian Pierce, very solid rookie year. Didn't really do a whole lot this year. I think he was battling some injuries, but I'm not 100% sure. But the Texans, like Will Anderson... Defensive Rookie of the Year candidate, C.J. Stroud, walk away rookie, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Like, this season went so damn... Like, out of the three teams we're mentioning, the Texans overexceeded by so much. I have never... I shouldn't say never. I've rarely seen a team get so much flack before the season starts where we're going to have a top two pick in the draft. The Cardinals are going to have the top two picks in the draft. They're going to get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison. I've never seen a team go from that to not only make the playoffs, but win the division and win a home playoff game against a defense that, though injured, is very good with Miles Garrett, a defensive player of the year candidate. Denzel Ward, one of the best corners in football. Like, you have so many pieces there. I know they had Joe Flacco, and they rotated quarterbacks all year, and Joe Flacco threw two bad interceptions that game. But, like, I've, I've rarely seen this. Well, they played this good. They played awesome. CJ Stroud was awesome. Will Anderson was awesome. But in the game against the Ravens, they just got overmatched. The Ravens were the better team. I mean, there were moments in this game the Texans were up on the Ravens. But in the end, in the second half, like the Texans had their moments. They had their moments. But they had a lot of penalties. And I'm not even going to sit here and act like these were penalties that were bad. They were like 90, I don't have the numbers, but they were like 90% false starts it felt like. That home crowd was crazy. Cadence was off. Like, everything was off. Like, there was a point in the game, I think they had seven false start penalties. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. But like, it was insane. Every time they get in good situations, they'd be backing up like a freaking Brinks truck. Like, have the backup alarm on the entire time. Like, they just keep backing up. Every time they take two steps forward, they take 15 steps back. 
And they had the punt return, which was sweet. But other than that, they didn't score any touchdowns that entire game. It was a it was a punt return. That was it. Like, it was not the second half the Ravens just woke up. Because the Ravens had moments in the first half, definitely. But Lamar cussed them out at halftime, which I love a quarterback that does that. Like, they asked most of the game, like, what happened at halftime? Lamar slapped his chest. Who talked at halftime? He slapped his chest at me. Very uh, profanity-laced rant at halftime. I loved that from Lamar. That's what That's been my favorite part about Lamar's game this year, is that he's elevated to that. Like, when they were kicking the shit out of the Niners, they Lamar Jackson on the side, when they didn't score touchdowns, they had the silver field goals in the red zone. They didn't have to, but they did. Silver field goals in the red zone. Lamar Jackson's yelling at everybody on the sideline. That's what you want from your quarterback. That's what you want. Someone like that. Like, if you wanted a person to be the face of your franchise, Lamar Jackson is definitely one of the people you'd want to have at the face of your franchise. Because the, the Ravens came out, said almost said Browns, but it's technically the Browns. They came out of the second half, 134-10. They kept the shit out of the Texans in the second half. The Texans had no moments in the second half, as far as I can remember. Like they had moments in the first half, just keep backing up. And the Ravens were like, well, shit, we're the Ravens. Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson. We can, we can figure this out. Lamar Jackson has some big runs in that game. Again, he had over 100 yards passing and 100 yards rushing with, I think, four total touchdowns. That was a great game. And to be fair, <laughs> the Texans were just leaving acres of space in the middle of the field. Like, you could have drove, like, people say you could drive a semi, semi through the holes that the old line creates sometimes. You could have thrown a freaking John Deere combine through some of the holes the Texans were leaving their defense in the middle of the field. Like, it was massive. Lamar would be stupid not to take it, and Lamar Jackson would break off a 40-yard runner, 50-yard runner or something. Like, it's like, did the Texans even try to know what, hey, Lamar's biggest strength is that he can kill you in the open field? Big brain play. They're not going to expect it. Let's leave the open field. Let's leave acres of open space. Ooh, I like that. That's a good call. They'll never see it coming. And the, the problem for the Texans, the Ravens saw it coming, and they kicked the shit out of them in the second half. <laughs> it was hilarious. And the thing that sucked, I like both quarterbacks. I really like Stroud. I really like Lamar Jackson. Two quarterbacks I've defended profusely on this show. Like, it's obviously I what, the I didn't have C.J. Stroud as my number one quarterback going in the draft, obviously. I'm not going to sit here and run from that because I, I still think Bryce Young was the right pick at number one overall. Just we got to figure some shit out on the Panthers. But C.J. Stroud, he had an amazing year. Absolutely amazing year. I, I You can make an argument, and I might, where you say it's the best rookie season of all time for a quarterback. To go from where the expectations were for the team going into the season to where they ended, and some of the plays he made, some of the throws he made, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But in the end, you just played a better team, and the Ravens came out on top. So now you got Ravens, Chiefs, Lions, Niners. I think it'd be hilarious to see the Lions and the Ravens. But in the same breath, that'd probably be my worst-case scenario because <laughs> that'd be my favorite Super Bowl matchup and my worst-case scenario because Lamar Jackson will be talked about before going to Super Bowl before Josh Allen hurts, and then the Lions going to a Super Bowl before the Bills. Like, in my lifetime, obviously the Bills have gone to four Super Bowls in the 90s, but in my lifetime, the Lions have never gone to a Super Bowl. They've won a few AFL championships and all that stuff, but never gone to a Super Bowl. Or NFL champions back in the, the 50s with Bobby Lane and all those guys. And Night Train Lane and all, yeah. But uh, 
That would hurt. <laughs> see the lie in my lifetime, I'd see the Lions go to a Super Bowl. I would in my lifetime, I would see the Lions go to a Super Bowl while also being 0-16. The two things that I didn't think could ever happen are happening. But hey, the Lions are just a really easy team to root for. Like Jared Goff going from quarter going to the Super Bowl with the Rams to getting traded to quarterback hell in Detroit for Matt Stafford, getting flushed down the toilet or put in the garbage, whatever you, analogy you want to use. To now keeping that starting job when everybody pretty much said the Lions are going to get a quarterback eventually. And Jared Goff just kept his nose to the ground and said, hey, I'm your guy. And now they're sitting in the NFC Championship game. You've got Dan Campbell, who everybody laughed at when they hired him, including myself, because of the fact that he said, we're going to bite off kneecaps. What kind of unhinged maniac says that at their opening press conference? Dan Campbell. But guess what? The Lions rallied around him. The Lions covered in damn near every game. They were 11-5 against the spread that year. If I remember correctly, they were 11-6 against the spread. Great, remember, great, good teams win, great teams cover. And the Lions covered a lot of games that year. The Lions ended the Packers' season last year. Another NFC North champions now in the NFC Championship game. Amon Ross St. Brown's a very easy person to root for, too. Fifth-round draft pick from USC. We loved him coming out of college. Fifth-round draft pick. And now he's in the NFC Championship game. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, one of the best running back tandems in football, if not the best running back tandem in football right now. Panay Sewell, great tackle. Defense obviously got some questions, but, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, local kid, didn't grow up a Lions fan. I don't like when people say that on social media and when they interview him after games, like your hometown team. No, he did not grow up a Lions fan. Before the draft started, he said he was a freaking Patriots fan, like a freaking coward. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Jack Campbell, like the rookies that they had this year. Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, Jameer Gibbs. The Lions went from having arguably the most laughed at draft class this past year to having the best draft class. Jameer Gibbs has over 1,000 yards of total offense with David Montgomery being the main running back. Sam Laporta broke an NFL record for receiving touchdowns by a tight end in a rookie season. It might have been season in general. Jack Campbell was awesome all year. Brian Branch was awesome all year. Those are your first four picks in the draft. J- Jameer Gibbs, draft him at 12. Everybody said, why didn't you just draft Bijan if you're going to draft a running back? Why'd you draft Jameer Gibbs so damn high? Why this, why that? And Jameer Gibbs turned out to be what he is. Better than Bijan this year anyways. Now, Bijan was coached by Arthur Smith, so that's not really fair to him. But Jack Campbell, another one. I thought the only team that would take him in the first round was the Bills. To be honest, I thought he screamed Sean McDermott player. I thought that's who he was. And Lions took him at 18. Like, what? Was this one of the big needs for the Lions going into the season? Because I remember a lot of people making fun of it when he got drafted. Sam Laporte in the second round. Drafted before Michael Mayer, who's considered by a lot of people to not only be the top two tight end in the draft, but to be even to be the number one tight end. I mean, even above Dalton Kincaid. And Sam Laporta goes before Michael Mayer, and Sam Laporta has an insane rookie year. Like, this team is just so easy to root for. Maybe not Kirby Joseph and CJ Garden Johnson. They're not really, you know, the fans' favorite, I guess you could say. But they're an easy team to root for. You could say the same thing about the Niners, I guess, too. Seventh round, last pick in the draft quarterback. Christian McCaffrey having the most insane, one of the most insane years of running backs ever had. He led every week. I could this is per someone else. This is not I'm I didn't research this myself, man. It's my bad. Whatever. Every week he led the league in rushing yards. First person to do that since Emmett Smith in 95. Damn near 30 years ago. <laughs> he did 
he did something that happened 30 years, damn near 30 years ago. Not exactly, but. They got Ayuk getting 1,000 yards. Debo Samuel being Debo Samuel. George Kittle getting 1,000 yards. Or like 65 catches or something like that. The defense, Nick Bosa. Friggin' Fred Warner, easy guys to like. Maybe not Nick Bosa so much, but Fred Warner, seemingly easy guy to like. Like, there's so many stories for this NFC game that you can root for. Like, it's just easy to root for them, both teams. But the discourse around <laughs> Purdy will sway you to either side, I would imagine. But I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting time in the playoffs right now. In the AFC, everybody just wants the Ravens to win, <laughs> for the most part. I think there's a lot of people that want the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. But it would leave me a lot, uh, alleviate me of a lot of stress if the Chiefs did win, because again, the Chiefs have already won a Super Bowl. So I, I can stomach that. I can't stomach <laughs> Lamar getting his Super Bowl before Josh Allen does. But that's that's what just me being petty. But that Kyle Hamilton versus Travis Kelsey matchup is going to be insane, absolutely insane. Kyle Hamilton was a beast at Florida State or Florida State Notre Dame. He had a pick against Florida State. I would I would oblige you to guys to go all and watch that Florida State Notre Dame game week one and watch Kyle Hamilton's pick in that game. Watch I think he had two of them. Watch I think the first one. He goes from the far hash to the near sideline at an angle, and people said he wasn't fast because he ran a bad 40 time even though he was just swaying over the place because the 40 time is like 90% technique. It's not just about speed. That's why I always say there's a difference between 40-yard dash speed and sprint and actual football speed, and Kyle Hamilton has got God-given football speed. <laughs> now you mentioned Roquan Smith. There's time about Roquan Smith and Isaiah Pacheco meeting in the hole. That might shatter the universe. <laughs> so much anger plowing into each other in the middle of the defense. Man, we got some good games. I am excited, despite the Bills losing the Chiefs. I am excited for these games, but I don't know what I'm going to do to watch them, though. I'm not as motivated to watch these as um, as I would have been. If the, <laughs> you know, Surprisingly, I'm not as motivated to watch if my team's not in it, but that's I'm not rooting for anybody. I'm not going to root for anything, but oh, this is kind of funny. Since 96, the Detroit Lions have more conference championship appearance than the Dallas Cowboys, and since 2019... The Detroit Lions, who have had a top two pick since then, um, have two playoff wins. The Cowboys have one. That's kind of funny. Oh, and I was talking to Brady about this, too. I saw the Stefan Diggs. You know the, the picture of Stefan Diggs standing after the Chiefs won the AFC Championship game, and he's standing there? The only person's ever – like he Stefan Diggs started that trend. The only person I saw has ever stood on business with that was J.J. McCarthy because he did that against TCU last year, and they went on to win the National Championship game. And now J.J. McCarthy's entering the draft. So – it's just, uh, it's some fun stuff. Oh, which which QB do you trust the most to win it all? I saw this poll on YouTube. How was Patrick Mahomes not the most voted? Who do you trust? The only one that's won a freaking Super Bowl. Why would I trust anybody else to win a Super Bowl other than the guy that's won freaking three of them and his first, or been to three of them and won two of them since 2017? 2018, if you want to count years he started. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how Patrick wasn't number one in that, but that's, that's whatever. But speaking of J.J. McCarthy, we brought this up before. I don't really have much more that I really want to touch on today because, you know, the show's getting kind of long in the tooth anyways. I'm going to do my, I was going to do quarterback rankings, like all 32 for the main starter for each NFL team. We're going to hold that off to a different, a later date, but the list isn't going to change, but it's, I, it's going to take too long. And <laughs> I don't want to talk about that right now, but I think you can guess like. 
you know, that could be a fun one. You can guess my top 10. We'll, we'll talk about the top 10 later. But we brought this up before. I usually don't do this because I usually forget about it because I get talking to something else. I usually forget about it. But we talk about Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper releasing mock drafts this past week. The two premier guys in regards to the mock draft community or the NFL draft community. Dane Brugler dropped his like a week or two ago or two weeks ago, sorry. Two, three weeks ago, probably. It's probably a little bit longer than I'm giving it credit for. But he dropped his a while ago. He's another one that you should look for. But Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah are like the faces of it. Mel Kuyper is the face of it, but Daniel Jeremiah definitely holds his own. And this, I think Daniel Jeremiah is the best when it comes to everybody else. Like, Daniel Jeremiah, just for to give the dude some credit, I always give Daniel Jeremiah credit when it's due. Because, I th- again, I think he's the best. And Daniel Jeremiah had the Texans trading back up to three to select Will Anderson in his last mock draft last year. That's insane. Who else saw that one coming? That the Texans would trade from 12 to 3 after just having the second pick to draft Will Anderson. Who saw that coming? Not me. Not me. They were obviously linked with Will Anderson, but I didn't know if they would trade up to 3 if they selected C.J. Stroud second. That's another thing. Do not listen to anything anybody says the day or week before the draft because I had C.J. Stroud going way later because everybody was like, oh, his cognitive test was terrible, so he's going to fall. He didn't. He went second overall like he should have. And, yeah, whatever. But Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kiver both released mock drafts, and both are semi-similar-ish. Uh, so the top 10 for Daniel Jeremiah, Regis follows the Bears taking Caleb Williams, Washington Commanders take Drake May, the Patriots take Jaden Daniels, Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr. They're not taking the, the old Marvin Harrison. Uh, the Chargers, with them taking Marvin Harrison Sr., they take Marvin Harrison Jr. at 5. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, they take Roma Dunze. From Washington at five, the Giants take McKeel Neighbors. McKeel Malik Neighbors. Sorry, uh, the Titans took Joe Alt to tackle from Notre Dame. The Falcons took Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama. Bears, they take Jared Verse from Florida State, another edge rusher, and then the New York Jets take Talisi Fuaga from Oregon State. J.C. Latham, who most people usually consider, or Olufashanu, sorry, most people consider tackle number two. Uh, he has going number thirteen to the Vegas Raiders. But Fuaga, part of one of the best offensive lines of college football with Oregon State. So, I mean, it makes sense. And he plays right tackle, too. So that could also help. But he goes also switch left tackle. Uh, but Mel Kuyper's mock draft reads as follows. Caleb Williams go number one to the Bears. Jaden Daniels to the Commanders at two. Patriots take Jay, Drake May at three. Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr. Chargers take Brock Bowers. Giants take Malik Neighbors. Titans take Joe Alt. Falcons take Dallas Turner. Bears take Roma Dunze at nine. And then Olu Fashanu who we brought up before with Daniel Jeremiah going to the Raiders. He goes to the Jets at 10 for both of these drafts, since it's my team. he had, Amel Kuyper has the Bills taking Adonai Mitchell, the wide receiver from Texas, and Daniel Jeremiah has the Buffalo Bills taking Jerzon Newton, D-tackle from Illinois. Now, obviously, for the well, for the Bills pick, I agree with Kuyper in regards to position. I think they could go another direction. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But for the top three, before we've talked about this, like a month ago, not a month ago, probably a couple weeks ago, we would continuously say Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, Drake May. And I think here's going to be the lot. So Caleb Williams going number one, that's fine. That's that's pretty much nailed on at this point. Um, number two is interesting. Inter- I don't know why I said it like that. Is interesting because Jane Daniels, so here's the case for both of them. We'll start with Daniels. Daniels is a very athletic, tall, quarterback with an absolute hose for an arm that has the best deep ball in college football. 
He developed so much as a passer, though it scares me sometimes when he runs because I think he he has what a, it's not it's not the right because he's not little, but little man syndrome, where he thinks he's much bigger and tries to run through people and he ends up getting folded, or like just not even folded, just kind of poof, like he hit a wall or something. He's done that like three times I can think of off the top of my head this year alone. So he needs to work on getting down because the NFL will make you pay for that stuff. <laughs> that will you will get hurt. But his development as a passer is really just insane. Like the rightful Heisman Trophy winner, all that stuff. Lamar Jackson's obviously in the AFC Championship game. He's won an MVP, about to win a second one. Regardless of what I think, doesn't matter what I think, and I can agree or disagree with it. I think you know where I stand with that, but whatever. Um, Daniels, who he compared to Lamar Jackson, ironically, a few years ago, on the blog post. Again, you can go to theloganblamishow.com. You can check that out. you got to scroll down a little bit, but it's there. There's some blog posts with that on there. And... Like, you look at Daniels, what his makeup is, and you look at their new GM. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, look this up real quick. It's something Peters, right? Peters? Not why, why am I on Ron Rivera's page? It's something Peters. Hold up. Adam Peters, yes. And you know where he's from? He's from the San Francisco 49ers. Do you know how long he's been in San Francisco? Since 2017. His first year in San Francisco, he's the vice president of player personnel. The year after, he was assistant general manager. You know what year he started being assistant general manager? 2021. Who was the 49ers draft pick in 2021? Their first one. Who was their first one? I want you to take a guess. Give me five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. The first pick the Niners had in that drive was Trey Lance. Who fit, and I'm not saying this is like, it's it's not an f- exact science, the draft never is, but like if you just look at the player that he, him and John Lynch, I mean he was with John Lynch, I'm sure he was with, because from what the report said at that time, it was basically Kyle Shanahan versus everybody else, like they wanted Trey Lance, he, Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, like that's famous at this point, if it's not, it needs to get talked about more, because <laughs> that, that was insane back then. It's funny, neither one of them are... Mac Jones probably won't be on the Patriots this year, and then Mac Trey Lance is on the Cowboys. But that player profile fits more with Jaden Daniels, but Jaden Daniels is much more further along than Trey Lance was. Trey Lance is more of a what-if situation, and Jaden Daniels is the... We kind of... At least we like to think what he is, but we could develop him even further, which is scary. That's the scary thing. He, he might be... Like, he was great in college. Amazing in college. Heisman Trophy winner, all that stuff. You could make him even better if you get the right coaching around him. Coaching matters. So let's not pretend coaching matters. But the freaking Titans just hired Brian Callahan. So since 2022, every AFC team has changed their offensive coordinator. Every single one, which is insane. Every NFL team, sorry. Every NFL team changed their OC since 2022. And that's because with the direction the NFL is going... With the offensive being offense being the main thing, if a team has a good year, the quarterback has a good year... Your quarterback gets your OC gets stolen. Be a head coach. Just happens. Like ninety nine percent of the time, that's what happens. You have a good year with a good quarterback. Guess what? Your head coach probably get, your OC is probably gonna get stolen. Dable got stolen by the giant by the Bills to the Giants. Uh, Shane Steichen went from the Eagles to the Colts. Frank Reich beforehand went from the Eagles to the Colts. Um, what are some other ones that we can think of? Uh, <laughs> Doug Peterson went from the Chiefs to the Eagles. And that's right. I think he was on he was on Andy Reid's staff in Kansas City, right? I think that's right. 
There's more, but I'm completely blank. I was trying to think of more off the top of my head. I think Zach Taylor was the Rams OC. He might have just been the quarterback coach. But either way, it, it, once your team has a good offense, a good quarterback play, you're going you're to get poached because the teams that fire their head coach usually are not going to be very good in the draft. They might be resetting the quarterback system. So they're going to get you in, and hopefully your good, good uh, momentum with the other team carries over to this one. But with Jane Daniels, you got to ace the head coach, right? For both of them, you got to ace the head coach. You can't bring in some – you can't bring in Josh McDaniels. Let's put it like that. You can't bring in Josh McDaniels. You can't do that. You can't bring in Brian Ferentz. You can't do that. You got to get a good head coach in here. And Daniels, with the the track record from Peters – and this is just me making up stuff because I – well, I hope Mel Kuyper didn't say that. I'm going to look at it because if Mel Kuyper – because I haven't re- – I just looked at the picks. I didn't read Mel Kuyper's thing. Um, Hold up. <laughs> Hire new general manager, still don't have a coach, so let's figure out. Okay, no, he didn't say that. This is my thing. This is my thing that I'm bringing to the table right now. So that fits the profile of that, but that's not saying that that's the guy he would pick. Now let's go with Drake May here. Let's go with May. Because here's my consensus on May. I think May is a better prospect at this point in time than Daniels. We'll go back, well, obviously lots last year's and all their stuff because we're just going off this year, obviously, for the stuff this year, but – Go back, watch a lot of stuff from the past two years, and we'll see what the final conclusion is. But right now, I have Drake May above Jane Daniels. But I can easily see why Jane Daniels goes above Drake May. It's not—I mean, it's not rocket science. So you can see why your eye—if your eyes work—you can see why based off this year. But Drake May can make some ridiculous throws. Drake May's a bigger dude. He's your more quote-unquote prototype quarterback. You look for. You can see him leaping over people. He talks shit on the slow, like on the on the low key. He talks shit. And it's very cool to see. And um, he makes some crazy throws. But he can also get himself a little bit of trouble with said throws. Because he's kind of got the big arm syndrome where he thinks he can make every single throw. And sometimes it gets him in trouble. In North Carolina, by pretty much everything considered, might have had a disappointing year. They were te- they were top 10 team in the nation. And he lost back-to-back weeks to Georgia Tech and I think Virginia Tech. Like, And then he got shit stomped by NC State. Now he had a very good game against Duke. Triple overtime game. But Riley Leonard wasn't playing. So you're playing Duke's third-string quarterback. And he still had to go triple. That's more of an indictment on our defense than anything. But still, like I can understand why people aren't as high on Drake May as they were probably last year. But one thing that I think is important here, it's another thing that I'm just like, I'm trying to conjure something here. because this, this is what goes on through my brain, okay? When I do a mock draft or I do rankings, this is what goes on in my brain. So we're, we're kind of walking through my process. Drake May replaced who at North Carolina? You have five seconds again. Five, four, three, two, one. If you use your critical thinking and remember who the commander's quarterback is this year, it was Sam Howell. Sam Howell is still the quarterback in Washington. They will ask Sam Howell a thousand freaking questions regarding Drake May. They will ask him a bajillion questions. Now, that would be kind of funny in a sadistic type of way where Drake May replaces Sam Howell at back-to-back places. That would be kind of funny, right? Now, Sam Howell didn't get benched at North Carolina, but Drake May replaced Sam Howell at North Carolina, and now Sam Howell's getting benched in Washington, and Drake May could replace him in Washington too. So what? whatever Sam Howell says would probably go. I don't think he would say anything too bad about him. I think Sam Howell knows the writing's on the wall. Whether it's Jane Daniels or Drake May, might as well tell people someone you know. 
Or maybe Drake May is an absolute horrific person. Maybe he hates Drake May with every fiber of his being. Maybe he doesn't want Drake May there. I don't know. But he should know he's getting replaced. The writing's on the freaking wall. He should know this. So they'll ask him a bunch of questions. Same thing. Like the Bears interviewed Cliff Kingsbury. They didn't hire him as the OC. But you know what I bet they did? I bet they sat his ass down and asked him a million questions about Caleb Williams. Because he was USC's quarterback coach. I'm sure they asked him a hundred million questions about Caleb Williams. So these little things in these NFL rooms are big in regards to the draft process, especially when you're trying to reset your quarterback market. It's insane. That's how crazy the NFL is. That's why the draft is so insanely fun and insanely stressful to work on. Because you got to think of these little tiny things that may not matter in the grand scheme of things, but they might also at the same time. <laughs> like maybe they won't ask Sam Howell how much he likes Drake May. Maybe Sam Howell's gone. Maybe they... Maybe they just move Sam Howell on and draft Drake May anyways. Like if Sam Howell says he hates Drake May, they're going to cut him and bring Drake May in anyways. So they wanted to ask him and see if he would be fine being his backup. Or maybe they go with the guy that, you know, Peter scouted a similar-esque kind of guy at North Dakota State. Maybe they go with that. Scouted Trey Lance. You go in and scout Jaden Daniels. I mean, they're not the same player, but they're both mobile. Trey Lance was a little more physical than Jaden Daniels was, but... They still can do similar things, and Jane Daniels further along than Trey Lance was and still is at this point, probably. So I don't know. It just depends on how I want to look at things. I don't think either one of them are battling for Caleb Williams' spot right now, but I also think it's kind of... like I saw somebody, one of the Spielmans, whoever the Vikings old GM was, he's on CBS Sports now. He basically said he would take Caleb Williams over every prospect since Peyton Manning. Because Peyton Manning was this can't-miss prospect if you want to rewrite history, because that was not the case. Bill Polian, who was the GM of the Colts, he was the GM of the Buffalo Bills when they won all the Super Bowls. Like, he's trying to rewrite history and not act like they didn't think about Ryan Leaf. They didn't. They did. They did think about drafting Ryan Leaf. It was not an easy pick. Like, you can go back. The quarterbacks that were quote-unquote can't-miss guys. Trevor Lawrence was always going number one. Andrew Luck was always going number one. John Elway was always going number one. Peyton Manning was not always going number one. So you cannot put Peyton Manning in that same process. Peyton Manning is obviously, again, top three quarterback of all time. But don't try to rewrite history because Ryan Leaf was so bad and you just want to sit here and say, we never thought about taking Ryan Leaf. Look how bad that guy was. You think we're taking him over Peyton Manning? Yeah, you were. You were. And Bill Pulley made up that story about the Vegas thing. So it's with Ryan Leaf that he's going to go party in Vegas. Peyton Manning said, oh, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go back to the garage store. I'm going to do all it. Like, we can't rewrite history here. Peyton Manning was not the guaranteed number one overall pick in that draft. So, <laughs> you, can't, you can't sit here and say that. Eli Manning was the guaranteed number one overall pick in that draft. Hell, he didn't even want to go to the Chargers, and the Chargers still took him. Like, that's how crazy that draft was. He, he refused to play for the Chargers, and guess what the Chargers did? He said, nope, we're drafting you anyways. And then the Giants were going to draft Ben Roethlisberger if Eli didn't push a hissy fit and say he didn't want to play for the Chargers, the Giants were going to take Roethlisberger, Rivers is going to go Pittsburgh. How insane is that to think about? If Eli Manning doesn't throw a hissy fit about going to the Chargers, then Ben doesn't go to Pittsburgh, he goes to the Giants, and Philip Rivers doesn't go to the Chargers, he goes to the freaking Steelers. But instead, Eli gets tried by the Chargers, he doesn't want to go there. Giants know that the Chargers... Jeez. Sorry. The Giants know the Chargers really like Philip Rivers because they coached him at the, se- the Shrine Bowl, or Senior Bowl, sorry. So they took Phillip Rivers instead. But he wasn't even on their guide. They never told Phillip Rivers they drafted him. Phillip Rivers found out the same time everybody else did. To this day, he has not talked to anybody from the Giants. 
and in front of the regards to the front office. And then the trade happened, and Eli Manning got shipped to New Jersey, and Philip got sent to San Diego. Like insane stuff. Again, the draft is so insane if you look at it. Like if you actually deep it, it is the most insane time of all. <laughs> like, like Eli Manning was more of a guaranteed number one pick than Peyton Manning was. And maybe you could say like, hey, well, that was because of the draft he was in. Regardless, either way, it's still the fact that Peyton Manning was not a guaranteed number one pick. So you can't sit here and say that he was the quote-unquote can't-miss prospect of the draft because he wasn't. He wasn't. Like John Elway, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, those were all guys that were considered in that same class. Caleb Williams kind of seems like, to most people out there, that guy now. That's kind of what it feels like from what I've read everywhere. But who knows? But the Washington Commanders, that's the team to look at. Because do the Patriots want to take Jane Daniels? Do they want to take Drake May? Do they want to take Marvin Harrison? Because you know what the Patriots... But there's another thing. You know what the Patriots love more than anything? They love connections. At least Bill Belichick did. They love connections. If your dad or brother or whatever played in the NFL, the Patriots will be looking at you. Guess whose dad happened to be a pretty good football player back in the day? That's Marvin Harrison Jr. So, the Patriots go with Marvin Harrison Jr. I understand Bill Belichick's not there anymore, but, hey, still the Patriot way, right? So maybe they go Harrison. That fits the Patriots' mold. And then where's Daniels or May go at that point? Do the Cardinals trade back because they don't get Harrison? Do they want to take Neighbors? Do they want to take Fashanu or or one of these other guys? I don't know. Do they trade back with the Raiders because Antonio Pierce is there and he coached Jane Daniels at Arizona State? Does he trade up to number four or number five because Jay, because uh, or number six or whatever because Antonio Pierce played for the Giants? Does he trade up with the Giants? Connections there. See. There's so much stuff to talk about with the NFL draft, but we're not going to do that all here because I got to close this show off. We're almost at two hours. I got to close this show off. But I do hope you enjoyed. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. I hope this was uh, as good of a show as you hoped for. If it wasn't, then uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Another one, though, Justin Fields. We brought that up before. The connections with Bill Belichick before the draft in 2021. Another thing, but we brought that one up before. I, I'm just thinking of stuff off the top of my head now. But we'll we'll have a consensus NFL top 32 quarterback rankings coming here shortly. The show went a little bit longer than I was expecting, but you know, that happens not surprised. So hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. Try to be better next time. And with that, I will see you all later. Make sure to follow Logan Blyman show on every single forward social media. Make sure to check out the Logan Blyman show.com. And of course, like, and subscribe, follow whatever the Logan on the, to the Logan Blyman show on both Apple podcasts and Spotify and leave a rating on a five stars and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. I've been Logan Blackman. I will see you all later. Peace.